equity is is uh you know the one of the main demands uh that means uh ending tiers uh ending tiers not only uh the wage differential uh and uh shortening the the time it takes to get to full pay uh but also uh having uh defined benefit pensions for everybody and uh having health care and retirement for everybody uh, currently, second-tier workers do not get uh, a defined benefit pension. Uh, they get a small amount put into a 401k for them and uh, another even smaller amount put into the 401k for them to buy uh, health insurance on the open market when they're uh, uh, old and uh, beat up by the, by the assembly line. Um, so that's a, a major, major demand. Uh, in addition, uh, you know, we want uh, wage increases that uh, get us close to what we've lost over the last uh, decade and a half. Uh, you know, we have had 6%, uh, a total of 6% wage increases since um, 2007. Uh, that's, uh, you know, 16 years, 6%. Uh, and, and also in that time frame, we lost a dollar an hour when uh, COLA was suspended. And uh, there's another thing that's uh, a major demand is cost of living allowance. Uh, another thing is job security. Uh, the companies uh, are licking their chops, uh, looking at the transition to electric vehicles and hoping to leave the people that build the engines that uh, power the their uh, profits for the last, uh, you know, hundred years. They're they're wanting to leave those folks behind, and um, you know that that transition to electric vehicles uh, has to be a just transition where the workers uh, that made it all possible for these companies uh, are not left uh, in the, you know, just hanging in the lurch, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, these demands, I, I think, sound bold. And that's a good thing. I, I don't, I, I'm all for making as bold a demands as possible. So I think that's a great thing. I think to, you know, maybe the general public, it, they, they sound like, you know, fairly, uh, uh, you know, bold demands. But keep in mind, and I think it needs to be, you know, stressed uh, again, that a lot of this is based on getting gaining back what was lost in the concessions over the last 15 20 years i mean the the auto workers consistently were asked uh, to take concessions to keep the industry afloat and so on particularly during the auto bailout uh, so a lot of this is just regaining the ground that was lost in the last few decades right and we'll never regain the ground that was uh, lost uh, in in those uh, decades but you know we can start from here moving forward uh, and uh, you know all that that's behind us is lost, but we can we can make it up now uh, for moving forward. Uh, so you know that's that's a, uh, the main concern. And, and then one other demand that uh, people don't quite understand uh, is the 32-hour uh, work week for 40 hours of pay. Uh, we had that. Uh, we had that uh, back before. Uh, the uh, bankruptcies. Uh, we were on a uh, four-day work week, but we had an eight-hour work day. So uh, after eight hours, 
we would get overtime. Uh, so four eight-hour days is 32 hours. So all we're asking for is to go back to the eight-hour day, a standard that was set in this country in the uh, you know in the late 1800s. And uh, you know we've we've regressed so far uh, in in this uh, capitalist society that uh, only takes care of the bosses and uh, you know never takes care of the the people that make the profits, uh, the workers, uh, the the stock buybacks, uh, and the I, I had no idea until I saw that chart. The stock buybacks are just off the charts. Uh, you know, Sean uh, clearly il illustrated that uh, in his presentation last week. And, uh, you know, with stock buybacks increasing by 1,500%, uh, uh, that's just astronomical. And, and you, it's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and I'm all for uh, the labor movement fighting for uh, a shorter work week. Uh, I, so I have, I think that's a fabulous thing that you're doing. But yeah, I, it should be pointed out again too that the problem right now is that you've got workers working ridiculous hours. I mean, working you know 60, 70 hours a, a week easily uh, because they're being asked to do overtime uh, uh, constantly. They're being uh, you get, get workers that are working you know seven days a week. So. Uh, you know, I think the shortening the uh, the hours of work is absolutely understandable given what the current situation is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, in some plants, uh, they've been put on critical status, which means they have to work 90 consecutive days before they can get a day off. Uh, and, and that's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to really understand what that's like. Um and these jobs, this is not sitting behind a desk uh, for those 90 days. This is, this is chasing a, a car down the assembly line and, and uh, you know, wearing your body out uh, in, in a way that I never even understood that before I started. You know, when I started in this industry, uh, I wasn't a kid. You know, I was, I was young. I, you know, I was 27 years old, but, I, you know, I had been seasoned in some several jobs. And this was by far the hardest job that I had ever done uh, chasing that assembly line. Uh, I have since, you know, gotten an apprenticeship and, and gone through uh, through that and been a tradesman for, uh, you know, 25 uh, years or better. But, uh, you know, those early days on the assembly line uh, stick with me still. I, I can never forget the experience of uh, what the assembly line work was like. Right. Now, one thing that I'm hearing a lot of people ask questions about, and I'd love you to uh, give us a little info on this, is the whole idea of the stand-up strike. And of course, this is a uh, the, the term stand-up strike is kind of a take on the sit-down strikes of the 30s that really created the UAW to begin with. And it was, and those were, you know, uh, extremely bold actions where the workers basically occupied their factories uh, in their strike in order to shut down production completely. And it was what uh, built the labor movement, you know, that we know today uh, in this country. They were absolutely uh, monumental, important steps uh, for the labor movement to take. 
but the stand-up strikes were, uh, there's these strikes at uh, specific locations rather than a uh, strike at every, uh, you know, uh, of, of the entire workforce. Uh, I think a lot of people are not sure what to think about. I hear people that are confused by it or don't understand why this is a more powerful method to use as opposed to just a all-out a method. Uh, now, we should point out, too, that this current strike is also historic because all three automakers are being struck, which is that's not the, the case in the past as well, right? So already the strike in a sense is larger than what's been done in the past by striking all three automakers at the same time, which I think is a definitely a, a really smart move to take. But the stand-up strike idea of striking certain facilities or starting with only certain facilities, I'm curious what the what the thinking there is. I know I what I'm hearing from some people is they're thinking, well, there's a lot of strategic thought going into you know what what places are going to have the most impact on the supply chain. And and so on and Im impact production the most and can put the maximum leverage or pressure. Is that partly what's going on? Well, that's, that's part of it. Uh, the other part of it is that we are uh, working without a contract uh, in the places that are still working, uh, which gives us, uh, gives the bargaining team some leverage in, in those facilities uh, that takes away the management's rights clause of the contract and uh, allows uh, the bargaining teams and, and the locals to uh, uh, bargain for any change that the company uh, wants to make unilaterally. Uh, you know, before the, co the company had broad uh, rights in the, under the contract, if it wasn't in the contract, they basically had a right to make changes uh, that, uh, you know, in the middle of uh, in the middle of the contract, uh, work rule changes and uh, changes to schedules and, and things like that, uh, you know, to a certain extent within the bounds of the contract. But now, uh, you know, we've we've uh, in a position where, uh, you know, we can limit that and also, uh, <clears throat> you know, frustrate the company a little bit by uh, demanding to bargain it to impasse. Uh, and if if they uh, refuse to bargain, then filing unfair labor practice charges. Uh, so, you know, there there's more to the strategy than, than just the plants that are on strike. Uh, we are uh, pushing for a refusal of uh, uh, all voluntary overtime uh, and trying to, uh, you know, the companies a lot of times depend on, uh, especially in certain parts of the plant, uh, for the workers to work through their breaks, work through their lunches, work extra hours, come in extra days. Uh, when we cut that off, uh, then things start to bottleneck. And uh, so, you know, it's an inside-outside strategy. And uh, while, uh, you know, the workers that are still in the plants are, are working, we're, we're uh, bolstering the uh, uh, strike fund as well. Uh, so we're, we're not, uh, you know, uh, being a, a, a huge drain on the resources of the union. Uh, you know, strike pay was increased to uh, $500 a week. Uh, that helps uh, for us to sustain a strike. Uh, but it's also, uh, you know, a drain on the union's resources. So, you know, we have to be uh, think strategically about how we approach uh, striking. So, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that we, we can't or won't uh, expand the strike. And, and uh, uh, President Fain has set a deadline of, uh, you know, this Friday afternoon uh, to 
expand the strike if the companies don't uh, come come forward with uh, you know meeting our demands. Uh, and and one of the uh, the other things about that is uh, it leaves you room to escalate. Uh, if you go all out on a strike with uh, with taking all of the plants out, uh, that's it. You've used up your your uh, strongest tool, uh, and you know now you, it's a matter of seeing who outlasts who. Uh, whereas with this strategy, uh, there's uh, pain inflicted already on the companies. Uh, now you know the question is how much more pain are they willing to absorb? Uh, and and uh, we're about to find out. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned the fact of, you know, the, the, the workers that are still working are working without a contract. That creates all kinds of flexibility for the type of actions you can take. And I like your, your term of the inside-outside strategy. I, I, it, what's going on, I think, reminds me a lot of, you know, the great Jerry Tucker and his development of, you know, work-to-rule strategies and implant strategies where, uh, you know, it, in, in, the, in a time where we understand that strikes are, can be hard to win and there's all kinds of limitations about strikes, that whole idea of, of actually using your your time in the factory and how you work in the factory uh, to slow down production can have a tremendous impact. And I, I've heard a lot about this, you know, skate and eight, I think is one of the terms I've been hearing used, right? The workers refusing to take a voluntary overtime, refusing to give up their lunches and so on. And that can have a huge impact uh, on production and can be a very powerful tool in the, in, in the workers' hands. Yeah, and it can be. And, uh, you know, right now we're in the process of, of uh, doing some, uh, you know, education on those uh, topics so that the workers really understand that uh, by refusing voluntary overtime, by working their jobs exactly as the company has them laid out, uh, they are in, uh, standing in solidarity with the other workers that are on strike. Uh, so, you know, for instance, I, I've seen people that have hoists to uh, help them ergonomically uh, perform their job, but I've seen them time and time again just uh, push the hoist to the side because it uh, is easier, or not easier, but quicker to uh, accomplish the job in the time frame that they've been given if they do it without the hoist. So I'm encouraging uh, UAW members that uh, have those uh, assist tools to use them uh, properly, use them as they were designed. Uh, if uh, that means that the, the, it can't keep up with the line, but you're doing the best that you can, uh, then you're, you're still uh, safe within your, uh, the bounds of, of the contract. And, you know, it's time to stop doing the company favors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very smart thinking, I think. Uh, and I, I appreciate you highlighting that. Um, so for our listeners, too, I think one of the most important things to know is how can they demonstrate real concrete solidarity? Um, this is a bit of a challenge in this situation, too, because since you only have the three plants striking right now, all in the Midwest, um, it's not as easy for people around the country to just show up and, and, and be there at the strike line. So that's that's not a uh, something that a lot of people can do. But uh, for people here in Chicago, you know, in particular or throughout the country where there's not a facility that's on strike, what kind of uh, actions, what kind of things can they do that really demonstrate uh, concrete solidarity that will really empower the workers? 
Well, there's there's many things that can be done. Uh, I know the uh, uh, the Labor Network for Sustainability has uh, been working on uh, using their uh, their links with the environmental movement uh, to push the uh, just uh, transition aspect of this contract battle. And, you know, that's, that's vital uh, to protect the uh, good paying jobs uh, or potentially good paying jobs. They used to be good paying jobs and we want them to be good paying jobs again, but we have to push that also into the electric vehicle uh, portion. Uh, but other ways that, uh, you know, and they have a uh, online uh, petition, I think. Uh, they have some, some sort of uh, uh, organization sign up uh, to get behind that. And, and also uh, they had a uh, campaign to call the CEOs and, and demand that uh, uh, the companies uh, accept our demands at the bargaining table. Uh, another thing, uh, if you're long distance, uh, you know, sending uh, videos of solidarity, you know, from, from an individual or a small group standpoint, if you're a larger group, uh, sending uh, uh, letters of solidarity on your letterhead and asking what, uh, what can be provided. Uh, if you have the resources, uh, send uh, non-perishable uh, food to the to the local. Um, you can call the local and ask them what their needs are. Uh, maybe their their need is uh, not water, but uh, you know diapers. Maybe they have a lot of uh, young workers who are uh, struggling to make ends meet and and have families. So you know, there's all kinds of things that you know in this world of uh, you know, the delivery systems that uh, have been set up and that were uh, widely utilized during the pandemic, uh, we can continue to use those systems. Uh, another another thing uh, that I did during the uh, Wildcat strikes at the University of California, uh, when they had some meetings, I would send them pizzas. You know, I, I was here in Chicago, but, you know, I can certainly call the pizza place and, and give them my credit card information and uh, send, you know, three or four pizzas over there and, and uh, uh, help them to uh, at least have some kind of enjoyment while they're uh, working on, on uh, you know, getting justice. Thanks. I appreciate you letting us know, yeah, what, what kind of things we can do to, to help support you guys. Um you know, there's a. This is definitely as all strikes are political to some degree, right? So that's not unusual. But there's this. There's definitely a political side to this strike that I think is particularly interesting. One, there's the weird thing now about Trump supposedly uh, addressing some striking workers. I think it's tomorrow, whatever he's going to be doing this. Um, just curious to get your thoughts on that bizarre scenario. Particularly since he's actually talked about how uh, uh, the union is misleading the workers. So I, I don't know what his message is going to be. But also, uh, there's been a lot of talk, I'd say, about. 
the strike being, you know, hurting, you know, Biden's, you know, uh, uh, message or agenda. Um, and I think that what worries me is the angle that you hear a lot of that uh, talk about in the media is as if, oh, you know, what is the, what are the workers thinking? They're they're hurting, you know, their their uh, real supporter in the White House and so on. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts just on these kind of odd political uh, angle that we're hearing a lot in the press. Yeah, it, it's, it really is odd. Um, you know, first of all, from the White House, the White House has, has issued some statements that, uh, you know, have uh, been very supportive and those are helpful. Uh, but, you know, we, we want to make sure that uh, they're not going to come in and be some kind of enforcement uh, of, uh, of contract uh, you know, negotiations and, and trying to, uh, uh, you know, make us uh, give in on, on some of our demands. Uh, so, you know, we, we want them at arm's length. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, former President Trump, um, you know, I personally have a pretty low opinion of him. Uh, you know, he, he was president when GM was closing uh, Lordstown Assembly Plant. Uh, he was president when, uh, you know, he, he famously said he was going to save the carrier plant in Indiana. Well, it, it didn't get saved. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of shortcomings to uh, his bluster. Um, but, you know, I, I will give credit where credit is due. And uh, I, I think the uh, USMCA, while still, uh, you know, deficient, uh, has been an improvement over uh, NAFTA. Uh, we're seeing uh, some organizing in Mexico uh, that uh, is hopefully going to raise the standard of living of workers there. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is that companies can flee nations, nation states uh, to seek uh, the, the lowest wages where in, uh, in environmental conditions uh, around the world, uh, and to strengthen the, the workers in Mexico really strengthens the workers on this side of the border as well. So, uh, you know, that, uh, that part of his, uh, legacy, uh, is, uh, one of the few, uh, highlights. Just one last question. And again, I appreciate you taking our time on an evening right after a long day of work. So, uh, thanks for doing this. Um, there's a lot of talk about how long this strike might last. And I don't think anybody has a, you know, obviously a, a crystal ball to, to, to know right now what, what that's going to look like. But I am curious to get your thoughts just because I, I've heard a lot of prognosticators say, oh, this is going to be a, a really long strike that, you know, don't expect this to end anytime soon. Um, uh, others, you know, I think, again, talking about, you know, uh, primarily from a political angle and, and concerns about the impact on the Biden administration, kind of saying this has got to wrap up soon or it's it's going to be counterproductive. All these kind of different, different, you know, kind of uh, uh, armchair <laughs> analysts out there. I'm curious to get you know, the a view of somebody, you know, actually an UAW member, somebody actually working in the plant. Do you have a sense, do you think, of, of what uh, what we're seeing in terms of uh, uh, a possible breakthrough with the strike? Uh, yeah, I haven't been paying all that much attention to the, uh, armchair, uh, uh, quarterback, so to speak. Uh, I've been, uh, focusing on, uh, helping the, the members that are on strike. Uh, we took a solidarity road trip up there Saturday, uh, brought some non-perishable foods to, uh, the, uh, local 900, uh, in Wayne, Michigan. 
And uh, I'm sure if we are not called out on strike this Friday, that we will be doing some more solidarity road trips to uh, bolster the uh, the workers uh, in in the who are on strike. Um, as far as uh, you know, I, I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to that. Uh, what the uh, press is is saying and doing, um, you know, a little little attention, and and it's frustrating at times. Uh, that's probably why I don't pay as much attention uh, to see them constantly trying to uh, turn the the conversation back to uh, our unions uh, uh, waiting to endorse uh, for the presidential uh, election. Uh, you know, there's no rush to endorse. Uh, there, there's no reason to endorse right now. Right now, we need to be focused on the task at hand, which is getting a good contract, a record contract, uh, out of these companies that have made record profits. So, uh, you know, I, I guess that's my answer. Uh, I, I don't know if that uh, answered your question adequately, but it's the best I can do. That that sounds good to me. Scott, thanks again. And uh, I'll be definitely reaching out to you regularly in these coming days uh, as we see how things oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, one thing that uh, is a, a uh, somewhat of a wild card in this situation is that the uh, Canadian auto workers, their contract uh, deadline was midnight last night. Uh, and, and that's Unifor. Uh, used to be the Canadian auto workers, but they're now under the umbrella of Unifor. Um, and it used to, uh, a few decades ago, be under the UAW umbrella. But uh, they have a, a, an extension of their contract until midnight tonight. And if they go on strike, uh, the Windsor engine plant uh, would shut down uh, production of Ford's most profitable line, the F-Series pickup trucks. So I want to express my solidarity to uh, our, our union uh, family north of the border. And uh, my thoughts are with them right now as well. 